In the middle of 2019, the halls of Auckland's courthouse stood in silent expectation, waiting to pass judgment on a seemingly ordinary case of business turned sour. It was here that the fate of Sun Bao Limited, a company born out of the ambitions of Elizabeth Jong and Fang Sun, would be decided. From its humble beginnings in 2014, Sun Bao Limited bloomed into a corporate enterprise, its coffers swelling with assets worth over 28 million US dollars. But in the merciless world of business, prosperity often sows the seeds of discord. In early 2019, the first signs of decay appeared, arousing the suspicion of investor Fang Sun. Lured into the vicious tug of war for control over Sun Bao, Fang Sun sought justice desperate to reclaim his investment. He glanced across the cold alleyway to catch sight of Elizabeth Jong, a former ally turned adversary, standing under the merciless Auckland winter sky. Dark thoughts murmured in his mind. I'm going to take back everything you owe me. All rise. Courtroom is now in session. The convoluted labyrinth of business litigation is not for the faint-hearted. Recent statistics painted a bleak picture because in New Zealand, the average waiting time for a claim to go to court takes a harrowing 418 days. Within such time frames, businesses could radically change and important evidence could evaporate, leaving claimants like Fang Sun desperate for a swift verdict. In his case, time was very much the enemy for every passing second could mean his $20 million investment was slipping further away. All rise. When the gavel resounded again, signaling the adjournment, it echoed Fang Sun's growing fury. Progress seemed an illusion, and the months stretching between the hearings threatened to bleed him dry. As he cast another glance towards Elizabeth, a dark resolve hardened within him. I'll see you again in court. Fang Sun was to keep his word, and they would meet again in court. Only this time, for a much darker reason. You're listening to Heinous, an Asian true crime podcast brought to you by MediaCorp and produced by 1UP Media. This episode contains scenes of graphic imagery and violence. Listener discretion is advised. The saga of Sanbao Limited is no ordinary tale of business rivalry. It is the dire warning of the monstrous lengths to which humans could go when driven by greed. At its heart lay the silent victim, Elizabeth Jong, a woman of unassuming demeanor, whose tragic end turned her into an infamous figure. Elizabeth, originally named Ying Jong, was born in the turbulent times of 1967 China. Details of her early life remain sparse, until a move to Auckland's shores in 1997. Her move brought her nine-year-old daughter and husband in tow, with the promise of starting a new life. Back in China, the horror of the Chinese Cultural Revolution was in full swing, a period of intense upheaval that would consume a million Chinese lives. 
In the tranquil embrace of Auckland, Ying Chong began her journey towards prosperity. She launched an English language school and adopted the more familiar name of Elizabeth. Her business flourished, providing for her family and granting her a powerful network within New Zealand's Chinese community. This network bore lucrative fruits in 2010, when the first wave of billionaire Chinese investors came looking for overseas investment. In the intricate dance of power and persuasion, Elizabeth played the perfect role. With her impressive knowledge of the transcontinental relationship between China and New Zealand, she became a trust aide for Toriki Delamere, the then Minister of Immigration for New Zealand. When interviewed, Toriki recalls clearly, "I found Elizabeth very engaging, friendly, and entrepreneurial. Her oratorical confidence, switching between Chinese and English, along with deep knowledge in the region, were impressive. Thus, beginning a strong partnership." From the years of 2011 to 2012, the duo hosted a series of investment seminars in the buzzing heart of Guangzhou. Their presentations, a buzz with promises of ripe opportunities in New Zealand, drew a loyal following. But soon, an unexpected turn tainted their relationship. Elizabeth began promoting investor migrant applications, a route for affluent Chinese to seek immigration through investments in New Zealand. Alarmed, Tuariki ended their partnership. But Elizabeth had already caught the eye of an accountant named Sam Chan. Until this point, Elizabeth's business ventures had been relatively straightforward. But Sam Chan brought with him a tidal wave of professional knowledge that revolutionized her finances and business structure. With his guidance, she learned how to mitigate risk with investors and wield her financial leverage to penetrate larger enterprises. It was as though she had evolved from a casual businesswoman. Into a formidable tycoon overnight. Elizabeth's investment portfolio had been relatively conservative, often involving real estate. These low-risk investments, if handled adeptly, promised steady returns with minimal chances of default. But everything changed in 2014. Elizabeth began acquiring a range of companies within the realms of film and winemaking. Her name became a common echo within Chinese film festivals and ethnic events in New Zealand, often appearing as a generous sponsor. Her accounting records from this period tell a confusing tale, yet one fact remained crystal clear: she had obtained substantial funding from a mysterious foreign backer. This backing led to the acquisition of DigiPost Entertainment in 2017, a prominent visual effects company. DigiPost, a provider of computer animation. Graphics, film post-production, sound mixing, and visual effects services had a claim to fame through international hits like Ash vs Evil Dead. Elizabeth's purchase of DigiPost wasn't just a business venture; it was a definitive plunge into the entertainment industry, hinting at a dramatic twist in a narrative that was yet to unfold. Despite the apparent triumph of the DigiPost acquisition, it was tainted by strange practices that hinted at cracks in the facade. A hasty due diligence process, a nebulous foreign benefactor pouring money into the deal—these were elements that raised eyebrows. Yet it seemed Elizabeth had managed to sway public opinion in her favor. Rumors swirled of her imminent launch into film production, adding to her portfolio alongside her sole directorship of two winemaking companies. On the surface, Elizabeth's empire appeared unassailable, her star on the rise. But beneath the glimmer and glamour, turmoil was brewing. 
a tempest was churning in her private life, threatening to consume her. This was a narrative that only came to light through the heartfelt testimony of a dear friend, Wendy Wu. Wendy Wu had met Elizabeth Chong back in 2016. It was Wendy, a real estate agent, who had assisted Elizabeth in acquiring her home in Sunny Hills, a suburb of East Auckland in New Zealand. Their professional interaction soon evolved into a warm friendship, and they found themselves leaning on each other beyond just corporate lunches and friendly dinners. It was known to Wendy that Elizabeth, renowned for her aggressive business persona, was battling a strained marriage. Her assertiveness clashed with her husband's approach, causing an emotional chasm to grow between them as their relationship strayed from the domestic into the professional arena. Fierce and determined, Elizabeth chose the survival of her business over her marital bliss, leading to a decision to part ways. This was a path her husband resisted. Left with no other option, she leaned on Wendy, asking her to accompany her as she applied for a trespass notice against her husband. Though undisclosed, it was known that in 2019, Elizabeth's businesses were teetering on the brink of ruin. Companies started sinking into liquidation, including a winery on Waiheke and one in Otago. The sale of the former by the bank saw Elizabeth confess to Wendy a loss of half a million dollars. Though a huge loss, Elizabeth was familiar with the rigors of the business world and might have felt determined to turn the situation around. But as the year drew to a close, a force far greater than any business setback began to darken the horizon. The world stood on the brink of chaos as the spectre of COVID-19 took hold, a virus that would go on to infect over 2 million New Zealanders and claim the lives of around 3,000. New Zealand, an island nation, took to isolation as a primary defence, imposing stringent lockdowns to enforce a zero-COVID policy. The catastrophic impact of the pandemic set off a devastating domino effect on Elizabeth's businesses, the worst hit being her Epson-based firm, Digipost. The first lockdown, enforced in late February 2020, had resulted in a staggering loss of $3 million. With revenue trickling to a standstill and bank debt towering over her, Elizabeth's empire gradually crumbled into receivership. Receivership is to place your assets into a third-party control. While you may still own the asset, all decisions are now out of your hands. Most often, receivership is the last option before your company declares bankruptcy and gets fully liquidated. For Elizabeth, receivership did little but delay the inevitable, and shortly after, she was declared bankrupt. Presumably, she survived off support from her friends and loans including a $100,000 loan from her own daughter and a shocking $25,000 from Wendy's daughter, who was still a student. Understandably, this period saw a noticeable change in Elizabeth's mental health and her outlook spiralled downwards very quickly. Friends, recognising her distress, established a support system, checking on her regularly. This was a precaution that would prove most critical on the night of October 30th, 2020. Records depict a chilling narrative. Wendy received a WeChat message from Elizabeth's lawyer, which described a condition of a very poor state. While Wendy did manage to spend the night at Elizabeth's 
she had to leave the next day for work and a family celebration. But upon her return, she was greeted with a sight that would forever be seared into her memory. Elizabeth laid comatose by the bedside, a bottle of pills strewn across the table. Doctors attributed it to a likely suicide attempt via an overdose. Though the worst seemed to have passed, Wendy, racked with worry, stayed by her side. Hours would pass before Elizabeth finally woke up, putting this harrowing ordeal to rest. As a safeguard, Wendy and close confidants of Elizabeth decided to establish some non-negotiable rules. Elizabeth was not to drive, and they were to check on her frequently, a protocol to protect her from her own demons. And at first, it seemed promising. The first week saw Elizabeth showing signs of recovery, and by the second, she seemed to have regained her strength. By the third, her appetite returned, and it appeared that normality was finally within reach. But on the fourth week, everything changed again. Elizabeth? 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 So, what exactly happened to Elizabeth? That's coming up in the next episode. Heinous, an Asian true crime podcast, is brought to you by MediaCorp and 1UP Media. This episode was produced and written by Guang Jin, edited by Alex, narrated by Jason, audio experience by Ethan Sam, additional engineering by Ashley from 1UP Media. Special thanks to executive producer Danny Cordy from MediaCorp. Thank you for listening. We'll see you in the next one.